0: What's the deal with Aquaman? Could he go on the land or was he just restricted to water? So hopefully that was a better intro than my normal intro. But he has a good point. Um, What is the deal with Aquaman? I know in the most recent Aquaman movie, he definitely was out of the water for a little bit. He spent a lot of time in the water. But I don't know if that's true to the comics. Uh, I don't know if I care enough to look it up. But it is something that's interesting. But hopefully that is more entertaining than the intro I normally pick. Uh, But the first topic I want to talk about is something I saw on the NBA subreddit. Uh, It's pointless. It means nothing in the big scheme of things. So there's really no point in getting mad over it. But people do. And of course, I'm going to share my opinion. So this says uh, that Charles Barkley, you know, he he kind of says what he wants, does does whatever he wants. Pretty crazy, I guess. There's an Instagram post. Did he post? Yeah, it says uh, he Charles Barkley puts Kobe and Michael Jordan above LeBron James. He believes stacking his teams have affected his legacy. Going through that struggle, that's what separates sports. So that's what Charles Barkley said in in his deep wisdom. Um uh and then and then RJ uh which is a, he's a teammate uh, what's his name um Richard Jefferson was a teammate of LeBron uh, on the Cavs I think when they won the championship when they came back 3-1 and uh this was his response he said in all fairness Chuck is right LeBron didn't get drafted to a team with with Shaq like Kobe boom i mean let's be real uh <laughs> Kobe got drafted to a, a Lakers team that had the most dominant center of all time. So there's that. And then he goes on and says, the Cavs never found Pippen in in bronze first eight years because they were always too good and they were never high in the lottery. So I got to agree with RJ. Uh, I mean, when you look, I, this is, this is something I have a, a problem with old heads, right? Mm. This is, you know, Old heads is a term to people who glorify the 80s and 90s basketball. Um, you know, you know, they call the game soft now. There's a lot of flopping. And I'm not going to lie. There is flopping. There's some of that stuff that needs to be fixed. But the game is changing. It's evolving. You know, get over yourself. But to say that, you know, I mean, when you look at the first seven, eight years of LeBron's, like, time and in Cleveland can can anyone name another player from that team from, from those teams like one like we got I mean I'm, I'm sure someone could say like is is Alex or whatever his name is but if I look up the 2009 uh Cleveland Cavaliers roster yeah okay here we go let's see <clears throat> so here here's the here's the stacked team that LeBron had in two thousand nine, um, right before he left in two thousand ten, to go to Miami Heat, they won sixty one games with this team. Sixty one. Think about that. Sixty one teams. Here's their, here's here's their t- their team. Daniel Gibson. Has anyone ever heard of that guy? Who is Daniel Gibson? Uh, he his career length was seven years. He averaged less than eight points his entire career. Danny Green, uh, I guess a young Danny Green, because uh, he was drafted in 2009. So, it was a rookie Danny Green. So, that, yeah, whatever. J.J. Hickson. Wow, what a beast. Yeah, Zydrunas, Zydrunas Gauskas. Cedric Jackson. Darnell Jackson. And then LeBron James. Antoine Jameson, uh, who at that time, he was, he, dra- he was drafted in 1999. So, what is that, 10 years he was... Oh, man. I can't do math. But he was old as crap. Um, you imagine he was drafted in the 98, 99 season? Okay, it says his, yeah, it his age 37 season. Oh, no, no, no. Not in 2009. Age 33 season. Antoine Jamison. And uh, he, what, what did he average that year in 2009? He averaged... Uh, doesn't even matter. Pointless. Jamario Moon. His, uh, what he's known for is that crazy rebound. You got Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal on the 2009 uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, uh, how much did he help? None. He was 36. He's basically a skeleton. He was a, a corpse out there. Anthony Parker. Leon Poe. Sebastian Telefair, Anderson Varechal. Delonte West. Jawad Williams. Who is that guy? i don't even never heard of this guy. He is a 6'9 point guard. That's kind of crazy. And then Mo Williams. That's, I mean, so if you were to ask just the average person, the average NBA fan who was around and pay attention during 2009 season or whatever, they could probably name maybe Mo Williams because he was, like, actually okay. And then, like, uh, Um, because – but even Agalskis, he only averaged seven rebounds. And the man was seven foot three. So, I mean, and his field goal percentage was 47%. I My general rule of thumb for centers, especially people who are above seven feet tall, if your field goal percentage is under 50%, you're doing something wrong. So, I'll say that. But what a terrible team. What a terrible team. I mean, let's see. LeBron James in 2009. This is, let's say, uh, the 2009-2010 season, he aver- he <clears throat> played 39 minutes a game, shot 50% from the field, 33% from three. It was kind of a down year, but he got better uh, in, uh, in Miami. Yeah, he shot 56% on twos. I mean, just ridiculous. 1.6 steals a game and a block. And averaged twenty nine point seven points. That's crazy. Insane. I mean and we can go back further. I mean we can look at uh 06, 07. What what uh what 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 kind of roster do you have there? What kind of dream team did he have there? Let's see, uh Shannon Brown, Daniel Gibson, Drew Gooden. <clears throat> wow. And that 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 oh six, what was it? Yeah, he's twenty four. His career average eleven points. Great, thanks, man. You know, obviously, you got LeBron, Larry Hughes, Sasa Pavlovich. I mean, these guys are terrible. Like they did n- the front office for Cleveland did nothing. They did nothing for him. So I'm not going to try to defend LeBron in the way that he handled the decision, right, in 2010 to to say, you know, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and all that or whatever. But but right here at the top on basketball reference it says he has averaged at least 25 points five rebounds and five assists in 15 different seasons the next most is eight that's insane and you're going to tell me that you're going to rank kobe and michael jordan ahead of him like it's not even like they're going to like tie or anything like that it's like he's like a solid third I mean, this guy' longevity in his career is insane. So I agree with Richard Jefferson, um, and he has a good point. I mean, all those, all those years, they never lost. They didn't never were bad, so they didn't ever get to draft good people. Um, so I don't understand, because um, like in, in in Cleveland, there was no Pippen. There was no Dennis Rodman. There's no Paxton. There's no <clears throat> anybody. There's nobody. What's that guy's like Steve Kerr? One of the best three-point shooters ever. But I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's 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 Charles Barkley. So, I mean, might as well just ignore him. Um, I want to talk about this five-team trade, uh, but that is gonna to be too complicated and it's not really that interesting. Um I don't think there's a whole lot of news. So Spencer Dinwiddie is going to Washington, um, which is fine. I think that's pretty good. Three years, $62 million. Kind of risky because I know he's coming off an injury, but he's good. I, I believe in him. I think he's a good player. Um, John Collins resigned with the Atlanta Hawks. I think that's – I mean, the Hawks are going to pay him whatever he wanted. He played really well in the postseason. So five years, 125. I think that's a max for his age. So, he's definitely uh, he's definitely going to be there for a long time. And the Raptors waived Aaron Baines. That sucks. I don't know. That might be the end of his career. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Kyle Lowry, obviously, is going to the Heat now, and so he's sad about leaving Toronto. Um, let's see. Anything else that is interesting? Yeah. Not really. Um Well, it's come to my attention, I mean, I guess it's to be expected, I've talked about it, so it's bound to happen, that people I know, friends of mine, know about the podcast and uh, I do talk about politics, I do share my opinion, but I try to do it in a way that's tasteful, you know, it's not um, divisive in any way, I'm just sharing the facts. I try not to get too emotional, but sometimes I'm passionate about some things. Um, but something that's really interesting is the eviction moratorium. Um, it's you know Biden is going to extend the moratorium, and it's not even Biden. It's not it's not the White House that's doing this. It's the CDC, um, the Center for Disease Control, is extending the eviction moratorium. That sounds a little uh, a little wrong. I don't think the the, center, the CDC should be dealing with that um so now there's a two-month extension expires october 3rd which i'd imagine when we get to that point they're going to extend it again um it says the emergence of the delta variant has led to a rapid acceleration of community transmission so they don't want people to get kicked out um i don't understand the full impact and full legality of a decision like this um can the federal government because the cdc is part of the government i mean it's funded by the federal government um can the government just tell private businesses businesses that they can't collect rent i mean I, i i don't understand um Like I would have understood back in the day when everything was crazy shut down and the government literally told you that you cannot work, then yeah, maybe help me out because like I don't really have a choice. But nowadays, there's there's three vaccines at least I think right. There's Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, and then there's like one other one, and I don't understand. Like there's a an employee shortage out there like there are there are so many jobs available so don't there's no there's there's no excuse but the 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 bigger picture the bigger issue is the federal government saying to people who own businesses like people who have rental properties who are renting out houses or apartment complexes or whatever what are they going to do just they're just not going to get money they're not going to get. I mean, how does that work? I mean, I'm I'm assuming they're 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 going to uh, just print more money and give it to people. I don't know. Um, White House Democrats and White House both shifted their attention over the weekend to expediting the distribution of 46 billion in rental assistance that Congress approved in December and March. Um, so yeah, they're just going to print money and hand it out. I don't understand. Um, I, I I don't I don't get the reasoning behind it. I I don't understand the reasoning behind it. I'm looking at the seven-day rolling average for confirmed deaths due to COVID, and I and I and I want to get to what the definition of a of a death due to COVID means. But we'll we'll just look at what they're saying here. So I've, I've narrowed down the data here from June 3rd to August 3rd. In the United States, the seven-day rolling average was 4.30, August 3rd, 4.11. It's a negative uh, 18.86. Relative change is negative 4%. Um, kind of, I mean... It's, the, the the rolling seven day average over that month was four hundred people dying i mean if if you make it even shorter over the last just couple of weeks and we look at the united states uh yeah we we already know august third was four eleven It's been going up, but um we can look at all right, so there's a couple points i want to make. I've pulled up a couple documents. So first is the amount of deaths in the last seven days from COVID. Right, right. It says two thousand six hundred and seventy-two. Right? It doesn't tell me, you know, what percentage of those people were vaccinated. Um, it just tells me the amount of people who died. So in the last seven days, two thousand. 672. you Google how many people die per day in car accidents, on average, 3,700 people lose their lives every day on the roads. So, uh, it seems like you would be more likely to die in a car crash than from COVID. And again, I don't know how many of these... Covid deaths were from people who were uh, unvaccinated. It doesn't it doesn't give me any um, any data on whether or not all of those people were vaccinated. Some of them a little bit. I don't know vaccinations by case rate. So I bring that up. Uh, so let's just take it. At, a, at, you know, face value, right? Well, actually, no. Let's, let's, um, let's look it up. We can look up uh, how many um, vaccinated people in the U.S. It says there's roughly how many people have been vaccinated. Over 165 million people Or about half the U.S. population has been fully vaccinated. And then, um, so, and it's just going to get higher and higher. But yeah, there's 165 million people. So if I were to Google and look up COVID breakthrough cases, how many are there? let's see, let's see, how many breakthrough cases have there been? 6,587 hospitalized or fatal vaccine breakthrough cases. So, of the 6,587, 1,263 died, um, and then this says of the hospitalizations, which was a majority of the most of the breakthrough cases, it says has a little asterisk, and it says uh, the hospitalizations reported as asymptomatic or not related to COVID. <laughs> so uh, I don't understand. But um, my next point, and I think this is really important that people understand what the definition of death due to COVID is. This is from the WHO. I'm looking at who.int guidelines cause of death COVID-19. This is, this is what they used to define a COVID death. So it says, a death due to COVID-19 is defined for surveillance purposes as a death resulting from a clinically compatible illness in a probable or confirmed COVID-19 case unless there is a clear alternative cause of death that cannot be related to COVID, i.e. trauma. There should be no period of complete recovery from COVID-19 between illness and death. A death due to COVID may not be attributed to another disease and should be counted independently of pre-existing conditions that are suspected of triggering a severe course of COVID-19. Scroll down a little bit more. And we'll see that, um, so for you to be counted as a COVID death in the statistics, all that has to happen is for you to either be suspected of having COVID or have COVID. But you could have other things. I mean, for example, you could have terminal cancer. And have six months to live. But then get COVID. And due to chemo. And your immune system being suppressed. You get COVID and die. Now did COVID kill you? I guess yes. In a sense. But that doesn't really tell you the whole story. Um, I am. Worried about. The school shutting down again. I. I definitely think that they're going they're going to let school happen maybe, and then maybe two weeks in they're gonna close it they're gonna shut down schools and do virtual learning or force kids to wear masks or who knows what's going on i i, I it's it just it just boggles my mind the amount of people who just kind of go along with it right there's no questioning there's no Uh, verifying or, like, demanding evidence, the government says, do this, do it. If you're vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask. Why would I get vaccinated? It makes no sense. Um, I don't understand. I feel like you you would want your population to get vaccinated. And then people wonder why uh, some states have low vaccination rates because to them, there's no point. If, if if it doesn't matter, if I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to social distance and wear a mask and not meet up with my friends and not go to work, like what's the what is the point? What is the point of getting the vaccine? It makes no sense. But I'm tired of talking about COVID. Let's talk about Gwen Berry. And if you don't know who Gwen Berry is, she is a hammer thrower, who uh, I guess during I think it, during a um, qualifying event. She is in that picture where she's like uh clearly kind of upset, I guess, kind of mad when they played the Pledge of Allegiance and showed the American flag. Um, so that obviously causes a lot of people to get upset. I mean, it's the Olympics. You're representing the United States. And she didn't want to... I guess face the flag or do any of that stuff, <clears throat> and if we could get some, we can get some context. We can we can see why she she did what she did. Uh, she says, "I feel like it was a setup. They did it on purpose." Uh, duh, it's the. I mean, it, like. Did she just like kind of, is this her first event? Like it, has she never like watched the Olympics or does she know what the Olympics is? They played the national anthem of every country when there's a medal. It's a setup; They did it on purpose. I was pissed to be honest. They had enough opportunities to p- play the national anthem before we got up there. I was thinking about what I should do. Eventually I stayed there and I swayed. I put my shirt over my head. Um, so clearly I just I mean I don't know how else you're supposed to take that as an American as like disrespectful. They said they were going to play it before we walked out, then they played it when we were out there. I mean big whoop. You're at, you're representing America at the Olympics. I don't I I don't understand. Um I just I just it's crazy. But poetic justice because she qualified for it. She's a hammer thrower. She finished 11th place out of 12 competitors. Um, so, I guess that was all for nothing. Which, generally, most news is. It's all for nothing. I mean, everyone got all bent out of shape. And I get it, you know. It, it is annoying. Like, last episode, I, I, I talked about I can't even remember her name. That's kind of bad. But the uh, Tamyra Menchistock. I mean, just like contrast her reaction to winning gold. To winning gold. Not finishing 11th out of 12th. Actually winning and being the best female wrestler in the world. Contrast her reaction to that. To Winberry, And the fact that she I guess uh, doesn't like America and thinks it's racist and stuff Um, and and I I generally am not going to really comment on race things on this podcast maybe like later on once I get a feel for it because it's such a sensitive topic it's hard to talk about it objectively there's too much emotion in it it's too political you can't really have an opinion Um, so uh, I'll leave that part out of it I'm just saying even if she was white I would be upset you know I just think, um,
1: yeah. It says if you know
0: there's this is context for why she was all dis- like turned her back on the flag. If you know your history, you know the full song of the national anthem. The third paragraph speaks to slaves, um, which is not totally accurate. It's not really. It's not really the point of the verse, and it doesn't matter anyways because no one sings the third paragraph of the national anthem. Uh, so I mean. I hate, I mean, that's what's so different about these Olympics is I, I generally I'm actively rooting against a lot of them, uh, except for Tamara. Uh, she uh, has my full support, and I hope she wins a uh, thousand gold medals. So, you um, I guess yeah, poetic justice at its finest. Next thing I want to talk about uh, was was mentioned to me. Uh, I think by my mom. Uh, Apparently, Jennifer Aniston is saying that people who refuse to get the vaccine are no longer in her quote-unquote weekly routine. Uh, That's a weird way to refer to your friends. Um, I mean, I guess that's her choice, you know? Um, If, if, uh, you know, your friend is anti-vax, I mean, I don't understand anti-vax in this sense, right? Like, the vaccines work. I don't understand why you, how you could be anti-vax. I think that's a misrepresentation. Um, I think it's just people who aren't getting the vaccine, right? Because they're not a high-risk person, right? If you're uh, young and healthy, even if you were to get a really bad case of COVID, your chances of dying are still very, very, very small. Um, so... I mean, I guess if she's if she's willing to just drop friends because they're not going to get the vaccine, I mean, were they really friends to begin with? Um, but I don't know. I don't usually like to talk about celebrities or comment on it, but it's tricky because everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Uh, but uh, unless I hate that opinion, they were not friends. So that's usually how it goes for these people. But I mean. It's Jennifer Aniston. She can pick whatever friend she wants. Uh, it seems like those people probably dodged a bullet anyways. All right. There's there's one more thing I want to bring up uh, that's really old. And I mean, because the news moves so fast, it's really not that old. Um, but I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, but the song WAP, W-A-P, everyone knows what it stands for. Came out in 2020 feels like it came out like a long time ago not really um, I hate this song uh, I I understand the point they're trying to make right oh if men can be you know I don't like it when men do it either I don't understand like that. that's not a good argument I don't like when men objectify women so I don't understand why objectifying yourself is better I find that hard to to understand, the the song is is, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, it's supposed to be empowering. That's the message that it's sending, I guess. I want to see someone's uh, like, like commentary on it. Like, what? How, how do you how do you defend something like that? You know what I mean? Um, because I don't understand how that empowers women. Let's see so this this article is from the academyadvocate.com wap women obje- empowerment or objectification it's kind of nuts that we have to kind of like uh, think about it debate you know let's think about what's going on cuz I don't, I don't even want to read the lyrics cuz they it says they're explicitly sexual that's an understatement i mean it's lit- like if you were to ma- imagine pornography as a song that's what wap is So, does it encourage the objectification of women, or is it a feminist anthem? Certified freak seven days a week are Cardi's opening lyrics. I just... uh, I don't know. I got to tread lightly, I guess. I'm trying to be sensitive. Um, But I believe that it should not be controversial to say that there's a difference between men and women. And that I think men should be honest, respectable... Strong, you know, dependable, good, solid men, right? You, you just think of a real man. And then a woman should be pure and, and, I don't know, there's there's this idea of being ladylike and having respect for your body, right? Because for, 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 for men, sex is uh, way different than it is for a woman. That's just a fact. Right? Men are visual creatures. W- women are way more likely, it's way more emotional than it is just uh, an act or some sort of like handshake. You know what I mean? And then they go their separate ways. Um, so I want to see what this article says. Like, what's their conclusion? Um, so it says WAP. While certainly not pure or holy, is a song that empowers women, young and old, to feel comfortable in their bodies, and feel comfortable discussing their needs. There, I mean, there's there's a way to discuss your needs. I mean, if you're in a relationship, I guess. And, and this is a se- and I'm talking secular. You know, obviously, if, if you're coming at this from a Christian perspective, it's way different. But even secularly. This is, this is a wrong way to go about doing this. Um, it says, not only this, but it helps to center the sexual conversation around women while helping the public realize that there's nothing wrong with a woman attending to her sexual desires. And unlike much of rap, the lyrics do not promote objectification or mistreatment of sexual partners, but rather encourage equality and mutual respect for each other's needs. See, uh, I might disagree. No, what WAP is not about romance or love. See, there it is. Right there. Boom. Uh, that is huge. It's not about romance or love, but it is about sex. That's where you've gone wrong. When you, when you remove romance and love and the emotional things that come along with that, and it just becomes an activity that you do together, like I said, a handshake, you know, it's just it's just uh, something you do with another person. That that affects women. It's not it's not a secret, and I can see the, I can see the writer Julia Ross, twenty one, co editor in chief. Of course, she's going to have this opinion. And then her last sentence is, "And it's about time that the political and musical world starts to recognize." that embracing one's sexuality and body is just as empowering as a celebrating emotional bonds. Uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. If we look up, we look at the lyrics. Um, so there's, she said, unlike most rap, there's no objectification or mistreatment of women, uh, other than the objectification of themselves. Right. The, the, literally this lyric says spit in my mouth. Uh, Sounds uh, kind of bad. Um, <clears throat> I really do not. I mean, this is just awful. I mean, and they did it to uh, to 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 be shocking, right? Right. They, I mean, they knew what they were doing. So I guess I'll, I'll give I'll hand it to them for that. It was it, it was it's a PR stunt that they probably made a lot of money on, but I don't think it's good to teach women to just be loose. And, uh, you know, just out there. Because there's nothing in the song talking about, like, qualities that she likes, right? It's all sexual, but there's nothing like, oh, um, you know, the reason I'm having sex with this guy is because, you know, he's uh, committed to me, he loves me, he takes care of me, he's nice to me, he's, he's, you know, I really love him. Nope, it's just you know he has a penis, and so that's pretty much my that's my standard. Uh, I don't know what made me want to talk about that. It just crossed my mind that song existed, and I hate it. So so there's that. But <clears throat> now I kind of want to get into uh, a, a different topic that I haven't really covered ever, uh, and that's space. Space. People don't think about space very often. I mean, I mean, I mean day and night, right? Every day, the sun goes up, sun goes down, it's nighttime, and there are stars. And the stars that you see at night, you know, you're thinking, I mean, they are very far away, no doubt, very, very far away. But relative to the Milky Way galaxy, it's very, very small. You're, we're only seeing a very, very small part of what's around us. And so, I just want to I want to I want to talk about just some simple facts that are and people know space astronomy facts that people know, but when you really break it down, it's insane. So let's Google. Yeah, so let's say Earth distance to the sun. <clears throat> Current distance from the Sun is 94.299 million miles. Million miles. Its I mean, I mean almost hundred million miles away, yet I'll go out, I can go outside at you know, noon or 2 pm and it's like 102 degrees. That is insane. The sun releases a, uh, a mass energy conversion rate of two, 4.26 million metric tons per second, which produces the equivalent of 30,460 septillion watts. I mean, like saying that doesn't even mean anything. Does that mean anything to anybody when I say septillion watts? I mean, what what is that? Okay, so I think I did the math right but I'm sure nobody will double-check me. I looked up the sun's energy output per second, and it says it's 38,460 septillion watts, which is uh, not comprehensible to me. I don't know what that uh, means. I I have no uh, reference for that. So I looked up the total amount of energy the Earth uses. And in 2019, this website says uh, 53,620 terawatt-hours. Obviously, we're not in the same units, so I had to convert terawatt-hours to just straight-up watts. And I got 5.3 times 10 to the 16. So then I took what the sun produces per second, per second, divided by what the Earth uses per year, and that gives me this enormous number that I don't even know say it. So I'll say number to word. Very useful website. Um, Paste. Calculate. So every single second the sun produces enough energy to power the earth for a whole year 7 billion times. 7 billion times the the sun could power the earth. That's how much energy per second is converted. So the sun because of gravity is so intense hot pressure is so high inside hydrogen is pushed together it's very complicated but generally hydrogen gets pushed together to create a heavier element helium and it's not a perfect transition a little bit of energy comes out. And so you know 4 million metric tons of that gets converted into helium, which releases a butt-ton of energy, and the amount of energy per second the sun produces could power the Earth for a whole year seven billion times. So basically forever. I want to talk about two more things before we wrap up. Um, My single favorite, uh, I guess, astronomical object in the universe is a neutron star so if you don't know what a neutron star is it's from what i understand and it's not like i'm some sort of physics major or anything like that but a neutron star is like right on the edge is as close as you, you can get to being a black hole so things are extreme on neutron stars we're, we're talking about Uh, the mass of, you know, it could be multiple suns squished down to just a couple miles. So the density, so this says right here, uh, it's so dense that a single teaspoon would weigh a billion tons, a billion tons. What What that means is if you were to have a teaspoon of the material of neutron star, if you were able to somehow get that, it would just sink through the earth so heavy and dense. It says, on average, gravity on a neutron star is two billion times stronger than gravity on Earth. Which means that the gravity that you experience at your feet versus the gravity that you experience at your head would be so different that you'd be ripped apart. instantly. So, I mean, uh, amongst other things. Um, but because the sun, the star starts off large and it's spinning, but then collapses, it has to maintain that rotation, right? The energy that it uses to rotate, has to be, the conservation of energy has to be maintained. It's kind of like a figure scare when you, she brings her arms in, she spins faster. So <clears throat> the star could be spinning at a normal speed, but then when it, uh, explodes and creates a neutron star, they can spin as fast as 43,000 times per minute, which is crazy. And the reason they're called neutron stars is because there is a I can't remember the name of it. I'm not going to look it up, but there is a, a amount of pressure needed to push electrons into the center of an atom. And that's usually what stops gravity that's what wins, is that is that force. But in the case of neutron stars, there is enough mass and enough force to break through that barrier. So the electrons merge into the center of the atom and become a neutron. And <clears throat> the amount of... Um, so yes so uh, there are neutron stars called magnetars which is just neutron star with a very powerful magnetic field trillions of times that of earth's magnetic field um it's hard to kind of comprehend that um well, that's just for a typical neutron star. This says for a magnetar, the magnetic field is another thousand times stronger. Oh, here it is. The electron degeneracy pressure. That is the the limit that you have. That's, that's the force that you have to overcome to become a neutron star. I mean, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling that these things are out there just existing. I mean, they're very small. It's kind of insane that we're able to see them. I mean, we're talking about uh, maybe 12, 15 miles across, but with the mass of several suns, or maybe a sun condensed down to the size of like a a city. Uh, Like I said, a teaspoon would be unimaginably heavy, heavier than like Mount Everest. It says here that there are thought, there are about 1 billion neutron stars just in the Milky Way. And then at a minimum, several hundred million. Yeah, see, this website, this is from NASA. So yeah, matter is packed so tightly that a sugar cube size amount would weigh more than a billion tons. About the same as Mount Everest. So what would happen is it would just push right through the Earth to the center. Instantly. Well, honestly, what happen is that it would explode, um, because I mean, there's, there's, it's so tightly packed together, and then you've separated it from the star, it would it would explode. But let's say it didn't, it would just kind of collapse down. I mean, ever I mean, black holes get a lot of the the heat or the uh, the attention, but I I love neutron stars. I think that. Because they're 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 right on the edge of becoming, a black hole. They're within. so like black holes are cool and all, but you can't see them. They're very because their light can't escape. All you're seeing when you look at a black hole is the accretion disk, is the material orbiting the black hole and then rubbing against each other, creating friction, heating up, and that's what you see. So. Um, I mean, neutron stars have been known to spin, which, which are known as pulsars. <clears throat> they could spin, uh, like, as a, a, a significant percentage of the speed of light, which is insane. Yeah, this says, if you were to somehow stand on the surface without dying, which, you know, you, you would, you'd experience a force of gravity two billion times stronger. Two billion Time's stronger than what you feel on Earth. I mean, it says in one-tenth of a second, a magnetar might produce more energy than the sun has emitted in the last 100,000 years. That's insane to me. That is insane. Insane to me. So I talked a little bit about neutron stars. Um, there's a lot more about them. I should have uh, been more prepared uh, talking about the neutron stars. Um because they all start with a supernova, but it's a supernova uh, from a star that is not massive enough to become a black hole, so it becomes a neutron star. Um, this this little factoid, if uh, if you can comprehend this, if you can if you can just kind of wrap your mind around what what this is saying, uh, it says in just the first few seconds after a star begins its transformation into a neutron star. So right after its supernova. So right after it becomes a neutron star, the energy leaving in neutrinos, which is a whole separate thing, is equal to the total amount of light emitted by all of the stars in the observable universe. Okay, so I'm done, I'm boring, everybody listening. Um, I find these things fascinating. I could read about neutron stars and just space in general, um... I wanted to talk about the, the, the Mars Rover. They're doing stuff all the time that is absolutely mind-boggling. Um, the future is now, people. But the, what I, what I kind of want to transition to is the... <clears throat> there's this idea of the cosmological argument for God. I know. It uh, comes out of nowhere. Um and it's pretty simple if you really think about it. I mean, it's in the name Cosmological Argument for God. So the, the argument kind of boils down to uh, whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore, the universe has a cause. So there must be something outside what we perceive as the universe. And then just using your eyeballs not trying to be philosophical at all the the hubble deep field um image uh they've, they've done a couple but it's where they use the hubble space telescope and they stare at a very very small part of the sky and i was trying to figure out it's the field of view was 3.1 times 3.1 arc minutes. Uh, so, like, what is a, What is an arc minute? It's 1 60th of 1 degree. That makes sense. I'm just trying to figure out a way to, like, understand. Here we go. The full moon its average apparent size is about 31 arc minutes or about 0. 0.52 degrees, right? That's how much space it takes up in the sky. Because if when, you're, when you're looking out, it's a, it's a circle all the way around you, your field, your field of view. So when it, there's a full moon, it's 31 arc minutes. Uh, this, uh, this Hubble ultra deep field, Picture was taken uh, between September two thousand three and January two thousand four, and its field of view was uh, three point one times three point one arc minutes. So when you look that up, because um, it's a s- square, so zero point zero zero two seven nine five. You could basically round it to. radians so if we were to try to take that number in radians and convert it to degrees um, so the moon takes up about 0.52 a degree so about half a degree field of view but the Hubble ultra deep field was looking at a space in the sky that is 0.16 degrees squared. And in that little tiny square that it stared at for months, because the light is so far away, it has to just stare at it. There are nearly 10,000 galaxies in that little tiny spot in the sky. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's incredible. So how, I mean, when when I look at the deep field image and you can Google it and look at it, how do you not believe that there's something bigger? That's, that, that, that it's all in common, but like, there's just this magnificence to the universe that kind of calls out to you and says, there's something more, right? There's, the, the universe is enormous. I mean, it's looking at a part of the sky that's so small. It's what 0.16 degrees, and the moon would take up 0.52 degrees. So, you know, think, just, just think about how small a part of the sky that is. And it saw thousands and thousands and thousands of galaxies. And and galaxies have hundreds of millions of stars, right? The average galaxy has about 100 million stars. So in that tiny little spot, there are 10,000 galaxies. So in that 10,000 galaxies, there's 100 million stars. There's just just something profound about that to me. I don't know. I've been talking about it way too long. This has been kind of a boring episode, so I'm sorry. Um, I know last episode I said I would prepare more. um, But it's tough because I know I've mentioned it to friends of mine uh, and and family. So, like, things that I actually am passionate about and things that I have opinions about, um, I'm a little nervous to share. Because I don't want to alienate myself, I don't want to, you know, offend anybody. I don't, you know, I, I want, I care about what people think about me, um, but at the same time, you know, I want to have fun and and speak my mind and and I and I want to figure out a way to do that, do both of those things, be able to talk about um, the state of America, politics as it is, my take on it, without it being um, divisive. Uh, hateful or mean or anything like that so it was kind of a wide range of topics today um, there wasn't a whole lot of sports talk not, at least not that I saw and then I got caught up in the in the space stuff which I could talk about for a long time but that would just be me typing on the keyboard um, I'll end with this thought and it'll be political um, Joe Biden's old. That man uh, is is uh, is not all there. I know. I know this is kind of a, uh, a a sharp right turn away from the Hubble Deep Field, but when I when I watched his uh, CNN town hall, it it it, it, looked, ba- it looked bad. It looked bad. Like it's it, it's almost unwatchable. And I know saying things are cringe, are cringe is like you know uh, like boomer stuff. It's it's full you know, it, I don't know. It's it's cliche, hackneyed as they say. But it, literally, it, it's like it's like watching your, your your grandfather who has dementia try to tell a story, and he's the president of the United States. He's the leader of the free world. He's the most powerful man in the world, and he barely knows what's going on. He doesn't know anything. Um, and the reason he's able to get away with it is because the media is complicit. Luckily, we have social media. A lot of people think social media is bad, you know, um, but anything can be bad. You know, it, it's all about the, 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 the saying is everything's a poison. It's just about the dose. Social media helps you get your news unfiltered from a lot of different places and you control where that comes from. You can either pick to live in an echo chamber and only be surrounded by opinions that you agree with or you can try to diversify who you listen to, which is what I try to do. I try to understand my, you know, people who don't agree with me, what they think, understand why. And I I also am very interested in history and I think that's what my next podcast will be about will be about some of the uh, 19th century, 20th century history that I don't remember learning in high school. I definitely don't remember learning in college that I think is important to talk about because it is shocking Um, and it gives you a perspective on, on where America is today, but I just, I mean, just real quick before we end, I know it's kind of a lengthy episode, but if you look up Biden, uh, quotes, I mean, there's obviously the famous one. I mean, maybe not famous because people, the media didn't really cover it. But he, he was on and doing a video interview with Charlemagne the God, and at the end of the interview, it was before the election. He said, "If you are having a problem deciding," If you're a black person and you're having a problem deciding between voting for Donald Trump and Joe Biden, you ain't black. How how is that acceptable? That is uh, that's crazy, absolutely incredible. <laughs> and look, there's this quote uh, in 2007 when he was going to be VP for for uh, Barack Obama. This is a quote from, from from him. This is when he was actually like somewhat there. I mean, you got the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice-looking guy. That, <laughs> that sounds like your grandpa, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like he, your out-of-touch grandpa who's from a different past? Um, it's, it's just... It <sighs> Some quotes from CNN... I mean, he even admitted, I'm a gaff machine, he admitted in 2018. Through his 47 years in public life, 47 years in government. Like, why, why is that allowed? It's crazy. I don't, I, like, I don't want to talk about some of these old quotes. I want to talk about the, these new ones. This one from 2019, so bad, so bad. So, a speech to a group of minority activists in Des Moines, Iowa, he says, We should challenge students in these schools to have advanced placement programs. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and talented as white kids. Um, it's pretty obvious he meant to say uh, black kids are just as bright and talented, which means he thinks all black kids are poor. Uh, okay? Um, so here's another one one week after his humiliating fourth place finish in the Iowa caucuses he he slammed a young voter with a head scratching taunt so this 21 year old college student asked how can you explain the performance in Iowa and why should the voters believe you could win the national election and then he says you ever been to a caucus and Moore said yes and he said no you haven't you're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. That's crazy. That what, to just to, some person? You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Uh, and then yes, this this one made the list. Uh, if you're having a, a problem uh, deciding who to vote for, you ain't black. That's that's pretty insane. I mean, it, it just it just keeps going. Um, I mean, you can just 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 Google it, you know. And the gas go all the way back to two thousand eight, two thousand seven. Um, but if we just do gas for twenty twenty, I mean, some people find it too cringy. Like my mom doesn't like to watch some of this stuff, uh, but I find it hilarious because uh, <clears throat> if if let's be real, if this. Uh, was literally anybody else with an R next to their name, uh, we would be hearing about it. Um, and then, so he's given his speech, and he says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women are created by the, you know, you know the thing. Um, so a factory worker who accused him of trying to end the U.S. Constitutional Second Amendment he says you're full of crap, but he uses the ass word. Uh, I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid, <laughs> my like, lord. So I mean, it just it goes on and on and on. Um, and it's not surprising. Uh, he is a. I mean, a part of me kind of feels bad because of being used, right? Because if Kamala Harris was 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 the president. Um, the, the more people know about Kamala, the the less they like her. So they need Joe Biden to be out there as like this moderate, nice, you know, your your, your old grandpa out there um, to kind of hide what they're doing. But it's it's kind of nuts. I mean, and so I just I guess I I don't know why I wanted to end on that, but. His, his gaffes, his stuff some, some of his, his, some of the videos uh, and, and, and quotes that he's made just over the last like year or six months has been kind of crazy. and the fact that nobody talks about it, nobody cares really I guess. I mean, how old is Joe Biden right? If you were to guess I mean if you looked at him you'd say hundred but he's 78. You know, it's just about the, I mean, it it just makes sense. There's only so, you can only live for so long. And, being 78, and, and being present is stressful. Uh, I, I just am, I'm, I'm dumbfounded at the fact that he gets away with, oh, oh, and one, one last thing. Well, I'll play the clip. Um, this weird uh, he's talking to reporters and he whispers into the mic because he's like mad or something Uh. people are waiting for relief I got them 1.9 trillion dollars relief so far they're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week for childcare. A lot has been happened already. Number one. Number two. I'm going to fight like heck to get them the rest of what I think has to be done. And these are really tough decisions, Senators. I, I don't in any way dismiss what Senator Murphy says about the environment. I don't dismiss it at all. So she- I just that was weird, wasn't it? Like, why is he talking like that? Is there? Was there? What is it? I'm gonna play it again. I got them one point. I got them one point nine. What do you mean? You got them one point nine trillion? So that's inflation uh, rate right now. Let's see. What is the inflation rate right now? Dear God, the inflation rate. Uh, for. What, I mean, what? What is this all? For uh, July, it says 5.4%. Oh, no, that's for June, 5.4, up from 5 in May. I guess we don't know about July yet, but 5.4%. So, yeah, thank you for the $1.9 trillion. Uh, I appreciate the uh, 5.4%. Inflation rate, I'm glad my money is worth less. So, and on that note, I'm going to end the podcast. Um. I promise I will do better I'll find more interesting topics I'm gonna man up I'm gonna talk about some politics stuff Um, and I'm gonna create an email that if somebody happens to hear this and they have a problem they have a a grief a grievance or some sort of issue with me or they want to, you know call me out on something that I said wrong I'm gonna create an email And actually, I'm going to create it right now. All right, I made it. It's called What's the Deal, Alex? Oh, no, no. It's called What's the Deal, Pod, Alex? Because somehow somebody had already taken What's the Deal, Pod. So I put Alex in there. I'll put it in, in the description of the podcast. So feel free to email me whatever you want. And then, uh, I think I mentioned it in my first episode, but my Twitter handle is at giraffe underscore dog. I know, it's pretty cool. So, that's the end of the episode. Um, I would love some feedback if anyone's listening. But I'm honestly just doing it because it's it's a hobby. It's kind of fun. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Oh, and yeah, what's the deal with Aquaman? I would love some feedback. Please, someone answer. Is, is all, someone who knows comic books, can like, can you live outside of water for long? Like, I, like I know he can get out of water, but like, does he die? I need to know. Someone, please tell me. Email me, or, or or DM me on Twitter or something. All right, that's it.